Welcome to the Hold the Maneuver Podcast. I'm Mark Vivert. And I'm Michael Soren. We are two hardworking dads trying to immerse ourselves in Star Wars and fit it into our very busy lives. This is your first time listening and or watching in this, uh, most of the time, short form Star Wars podcast. We'll share our thoughts on different topics from a galaxy far, far away. Hey guys, um, who's Andor's favorite Godzilla monster? I don't know, but I bet their lips aren't synced to their voices. Mon Mothra. <laughs> I wonder if she's attracted to the light. She is on the light side. Force, so. Yeah, everybody. Uh, welcome back, Adam. Uh, yes, welcome back. Yeah, week. thanks for having me. Uh, bringing Mike back into the, the, the school of uh, the Jedi Academy. <laughs> What was it you said last time you were you were the, the kid in kindergarten <laughs> eating? Oh, you would remember that. And the guy who's shoving paste up his butt trying to see what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, welcome back. Uh, we had you on for Obi-Wan, so I figured I'd ask you back for Andor. Yeah. But uh, this week, uh, we're, this is what, episode 24 of uh, Hold the Maneuver, I'm talking about episode 4 of Andor, uh, and so we added this segment recently. It's called "I Am Your Father," uh, kind of like a short story time segment, uh, and it can be uh, about offspring of of ones that came from you or ones that are uh, pets as well. So, uh, was there any like stories that you wanted to share about, like any of your pets from the the past week at all, Adam? Gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking, and uh, uh, I'm just I'm super happy it's fall. It's the weather is actually starting to get you know decent because now I can take Hooper on walks and stuff, and uh, both of us don't have to worry about dying from heat stroke. So we've yeah. been uh, doing more of that recently, and uh, hope to keep that up. Then uh, Janine, my cat, has decided that she likes to uh, sleep on top of the refrigerator now. So got to figure that out. Because um, it's kind of annoying. <laughs> it's warm up there. Yeah. She's she's just you know going with her namesake. She wants to kind of make sure there's not any like demons or anything inside of the fridge. Very true. <laughs> yeah. They were in Poltergeist, so. Yeah. Uh, and then how about how about you, Mike? Uh, nothing that really stands out. Busy week as always. Uh, to tie it into Star Wars, I wish I drank calf for, uh, could use that. Uh, my kid's been in the gibberish phase. Like, she can speak full sentences, but then now she's just making up words. So it's like I'm living in an, a planet somewhere that I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. Just, I need a, par- a protocol droid to translate for me. <laughs> just teach her a Gungan. No. That <laughs> should be like, Dad, Misa, Misa, Misa uh, need to go brush my Something teeth. Something okay day. Okay day. <laughs> I wish well, she said, I go brush my teeth. Instead of well, me being like, no, you're going to brush your teeth. Well, not, now that we know, Pudu is also straight up just the word shit in the Star Wars <laughs> universe as well. So that's, that's cool. To, I mean, I guess that's cool to know that there's also these other kinds of swear words in the, the Star Wars universe. Actually... <laughs> What did, what did you think about that, Adam? <laughs> you know, I didn't even notice it the first time it happened. And then um, someone had mentioned it on Twitter, I guess. I was like, huh, yeah, I guess so. Um, it didn't, yeah, it didn't really stick out to me. I thought the stuff in, like, Last Jedi, like the, like, your mama joke or whatever, I thought that really, like, stuck out to me, you know. <laughs> and um, Poe is talking to Hux at the beginning. That sort oh, of, yeah. like, took me out of it for a moment. I was like, he just make a your mother joke um <laughs> but yeah this one it just completely whizzed by um it felt natural i guess it, it was very natural the delivery but it definitely hit me i was like whoa Dis- first off disney allowed that and yeah. second off this is star wars yeah 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 then we got an I, ass reference in this one this episode. <laughs> i remember it was like a huge like a huge i mean like now there's been a few PG-13 ones, but I remember it, like, it was like a huge deal that Revenge of the Sith was going to be 
PG-13 when that came out. Yeah. Because, like, every other one of the films had been PG at that point. Albeit, like, 1970s, 1980s, PG was... Well, PG-13 didn't exist yeah. until, like, 86, 84, or something like that. Yeah, after... Yeah, like, yeah, 70s, 80s, PG's definitely closer to late 90s, early aughts, PG-13. Yeah. But... P- that PG-13 was for child murder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's all Revenge of the Sith has going for it, so... Um, crazy. Yeah, uh, my my uh, I am your father story this week is so. I, I spoke about my son last week, so I figured this week talk about my my mini schnauzer. Uh, similar to like what you're saying about like being able to like walk them outside without worrying about them like dying of heat stroke. Uh, that's been nice because I have to like bring her. I usually have to take her for a walk either like very very late at night like at, like well late at night for our age it would be like nine nine thirty now um, <laughs> right yeah all, and I also I'm also like in Phoenix Arizona so that's it's actually hotter at like nine at night than it is at like seven in the morning so either have to take all the heats like, yeah because it's all like soaked up into the asphalt and stuff so I either have to take her at like four or five in the morning for a walk so she's not like gasping for her like air and stuff uh or really late night so i'm looking forward to it continuing to cool down so it's not like we're walking on mustafar out one <laughs> side but yeah uh so that's that's our i am your for i am your father i am <laughs> I, I got a little bit i got a little bit of your gibberish from your from your daughter there mike there you go it's <laughs> contagious Please, it's please, exhausting, no but it's contagious. No gibberish at the, the table. Sorry, <laughs> Daddy. Uh, for the news this week, we're just going to talk uh, quickly about the fact that it was made official that James Earl Jones uh, is retiring as the voice of Darth Vader. Uh, we kind of sort of knew this a little bit from the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And this just kind of made it official that... He was he's retiring as like straight up doing dialogue for it, um, and then the the respeacher is gonna essentially be doing doing his voice from now on. Yeah, he signed over the rights, which I thought was an interesting way to put it. Yeah, I didn't think uh, he would have to do that. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I guess that that could get into like a whole thing with uh, with like voice actors. Uh, doing just a, like a tiny bit of dialogue and then they never get hired again because they ha- like the company has like all these samples of their voices so they're like oh well, we don't need to hire yeah them i again. assume i assume giving them the rights was more so you have the right to use my voice you know in this vast audio database that you have to uh you know make me say whatever you want me to say <laughs> yeah which is just, interesting and kind of uncharted territory, but I think, um, you know, after uh, Peter the Peter Cushing estate allowed Lucasfilm to recreate uh, Tarkin digitally in Rogue One and um, what they had to do with Leia in uh, The Rise of Skywalker, I mean, I feel like going forward we're going to see more and more of this and. Um, I guess there's a lot of ethical questions around it, uh, you know, like why wouldn't you just hire another voice actor or something like that? But I really, I really don't have an issue with it. I don't think, um, I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of Vader, you know, we'll get him here and there in different projects, but you know, as far as the character goes, we've, we've got his entire life story and, um, for, you know, if he's just going to show up here and there, then yeah, why not just have the, uh, the re-speecher, uh, do the, do the work. So. Yeah. It's just interesting. Side note is that Bruce Willis signed over the, his rights to a deep fake company mm. so people can use his image and stuff. Cause he, he can't act anymore. So it's like, I'll do this and live through that. Yeah. And so I wonder if he, did he also sign over like his voice to like the respeacher too? Because then like that that would be an interesting thing to basically have like both of those. I mean, well, I guess they already kind of did that a little bit with Luke. Yeah, because uh, 
but we we saw like how Vader it looked a little, it sounded a little better just because his voice is already kind of supposed to be mm. mechanical, yeah, I, so it sounds more natural. And you know, I mean, obviously, James Earl Jones is a, a legend, and we're extremely lucky to have him uh, yeah. involved. But yeah, I think just the you know when he returned to do the voice for Rogue One, I think it was noticeable that. It was an older voice, you know, it, mm. it didn't quite sound the same as the Vader we knew from the original trilogy. So, um, but that, that was not an issue at all in Obi-Wan. I mean, that, that was really impressive. Um, yeah. it, it just sounded exactly like, you know, 1983 Darth Vader. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about where this technology is headed um as long mm -hmm. as it's not you know just like with everything else as long as it's not abused and used in moderation and used uh alongside practical uh techniques i think uh it can be really really powerful and i think we're also going to see a ton of it uh just sort of adjacently uh the new indiana jones movie yeah. You know, from the reports of the footage that was shown at D23, there's a lot of footage in there of Indiana Jones at various ages, you know, like hmm. cl closer yeah. to his age in like Temple of Doom and stuff like that. So I think we're we're going to keep seeing this, you know, like blurring the lines between what is a quote unquote deep fake and the re-speecher thing and hmm. the like de-aging tech of Marvel. Yeah. You know, because like that de-aging tech is amazing, but it can only get you so far because like you were saying, if if the person's voice has aged, there's going to be that disconnect between, you know, um, seeing young Luke, but hearing current day Mark Hamill's voice come out of it. So you, you kind of have to have both together. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a very interesting thing and like topic and especially like like what that could eventually get into too. And it almost seems uh, to kind of like close it out too, is that like uh, Robin Williams kind of like had a forethought about like all of this kind of stuff too. Cause he had like this whole thing in his will about not being able to use like his likeness, like mm. visual or voice in anything like after he had passed away. So it's interesting that he wrote that in to his will, like even before like all of this stuff became huge stuff. So it's, I think that's kind of interesting that he had like the foresight of like knowing that he's like, I don't want, yeah, I don't want to be like in a random Coke commercial <laughs> or something like that, like in the Super Bowl, yeah. in like twenty, <laughs> a Whitney Houston hologram touring America. Yeah. <laughs> so doesn't want that. But yeah, it's definitely interesting stuff, and as we get like further and further away from like some of like the original trilogy stuff, and like as they do more with like say, um, like like Mark Hamill or with Carrie Fisher or uh, Fleming or James Earl Jones, it should be interesting to, to see how much further they do go with some of the stuff later on. Yeah. Uh, but going from there, let's finally get into our main topic this week. So this week we, we only had, we only had the one episode that we had to watch. <laughs> uh, I liked how the, this was a little bit longer though, too. It was about, it's just like a little under 50 minutes. So it's probably like closer to like 45 minutes or so without the credits. Uh, like just before we get like deep into the episode, what were kind of like your, uh, your, your first impressions and kind of like overall thoughts of this episode? Uh, I guess Adam first and then Mike. Um, my first impression was that I loved it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was excited for this sort of, block of more Mon Mothma um, focused stories because um, I you know I, I got the impression watching this episode that the at least it feels like the Andor story is sort of the B story at the moment mm -hmm. you know, he's on this Scottish Highlands planet you know meeting these new rebels and they're gonna pull off this heist but for this episode that really took a back seat to what Luthen was doing and and what um Mothma is doing and it's just so cool to see you know Coruscant again and just um, feel the galaxy sort of open up um, while also kind of revisiting some of these familiar places definitely it's interesting to yeah see I didn't expect it to uh, become a heist type show yeah I did not see that coming 
Yeah. It's interesting to see Coruscant during the day because I feel like most of the time that we see Coruscant is, I think like 80% of the time is like either like at like dusk or at night, I feel like. Right. So it's yeah, like, it's true. I feel like in like the middle of the day. The other crazy thing too is, um, you know, there's still a ton of special effects, obviously. There's still mm-hmm. a ton of CGI, but you know, like some of those buildings and some of those places on Coruscant are real locations and we've never seen Coruscant with a real location because in the prequels, it was all blue screen. So like that's giving it another level of like texture almost. I feel like Coruscant's always sort of looked like a screensaver, you know, like it's really pretty to look at, but it's always shiny and, you know, lit up and everything. And so to see it sort of, like the Imperial Security Bureau was this like ugly concrete and glass kind of mm-hmm. structure. So I thought, you know, it was interesting to see Coruscant through a more practical lens. I made a note of that to myself when they were in there that it kind of looked like whatever, like if you're on the outside of the spaceship Earth at Epcot, that's what like, mm-hmm. that's what you'd think yeah. inside of the spaceship Earth would look like at Epcot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. What, what, what were your like first impressions and thoughts about it, Mike? Like I said, I wasn't expecting it to go full-blown heist. Did not see that coming. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I thought it ended kind of abruptly, it, even though I can see why where it ended. But it just felt like it was, a cliff, it was meant to be like a cliffhanger type deal, but it was a week. Like you knew what they were going to do that maybe ended a little sooner in, instead of like... I don't know. It's just the, the pacing and the ending were just caught me off guard. I was like, I don't something's like, I felt like they had another beat to go, but it was just like, here, study up. And then, yeah, I sort of felt that too. You know, he was like, can I finish eating first? And then it just like okay. sort of, ended. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Yeah. I, I think that goes with what we were like, or what we were thinking. And I, I think it got confirmed was that like, like the season the 12 episode seasons are like done in like these four like story arc chunks so like there's like yeah the first arc last week with those three acts and then now we're getting the first act of this one so like i actually like i prefer like a weekly release for like uh, streaming shows and tv shows like that no (laughs) i want it all at once that's just my personal opinion so that I don't have to like avoid like a video explaining the ending of the season four hours. Well, that comes out anyway. Like I know, but then that way I don't have to like avoid it for like three weeks as I actually watch the show. Yeah. Um, 1201. You can go on YouTube and there'll be 30,000 videos explaining the show. How did you already watch the ending? It's it's eight hours long. You already recorded this. You must have watched the ending first and then did a video. Um, but what I was going to say with this is that I almost think it would have been cool if, like, how we got the first three episodes last week, maybe, I mean, I guess it would have burned off the season pretty quickly, but if they would have released this over the course of four weeks and did, like, a like a event release each week where it was, you got yeah. the hmm. three-episode chunks, and it would almost be, like, four and or movies each week in a way yeah kind of similar to i mean although if this episode was 50 minutes i can't i don't i don't know how, much, how long like the second third one would be that might have been like we set up a lot in this episode to go forward so yeah yeah but that especially with like what we've heard about season two like where that's going to be like over the course of like the other four years right each block is going to be a year yeah. um so almost yeah It'll probably be the similar release as this one was, but that that could be interesting to see, like playing with like how they release these in like chunks if they are done like in this three tiered arc of four kind of story blocks throughout it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like my my other like overall impression too was that the this character that Skarsgård plays Luthen, he's he's a very interesting character. Uh, both that he like he feels like very cold, but like, mm-hmm. and he's all business. 
Yeah, but and then like I also wonder like if we're gonna see like any more of like his kind of backstory at all to see like Right. There must be something there must be something deeply personal that's motivating him that we don't know about yet. Um that I remember uh, when we saw some of these trailers and they showed him with the longer hair, I was like, Oh, that must be like a flashback or Right. Just a wig. And like (laughs) they're like, Oh dang, he's he's just like the master disguise. Yeah, just a sweet wig and a collection (laughs) of fancy rings. Yeah, and, I like and, and, uh, I like how he's got like a completely different like personality that he puts yeah. on when he's doing that. Um, yeah, I yeah I love I love his character so far, and um, Stellan Skarsgård is just great. It's so crazy that we've got Werner Herzog and Stellan Skarsgård in Star Wars shows, but <laughs> they're very they're excited to see very different eras. But it would be interesting if they were like ever crossed. Yeah. Well, they they could have then. Yeah. Not like I guess they would just have to either de-age, yeah, Herzog, or age like way age up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see uh, his continued interactions with uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, and then when Sagarera shows up, it'll be great to see those two characters bounce off of each other because they they have a common goal, but I feel like they're going about it completely different yeah, ways. So I agree. I like to there's going to be that. some tension and like what the, the end goal and how to get there. There's got to be some tension there. Yeah. I like that. We got that saw uh, reference and stuff. So we're like the, like the name drop mm-hmm. on there. Um, so it should be interesting to see like when he shows up and like how that all take place. Cause just like how intermix he's already been like within different things like bad badge and rebels and, Clone Wars and uh, like even like yeah. the Jedi Fallen Order game and Rogue One. It's yeah really, that yeah that's just another thing like sort of thinking ahead. You know, like we're saying for season two, each each block of episodes is gonna cover a different year. You know, at some point there, we're gonna cross over with like Rebels territory when we get yeah. two to three years BBY. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if they bring any of those characters in, or um, yeah, you know, they've they've been very quick to sort of shoot down the idea of fan service and that sort of thing, but they're they're getting very close to substantial events that have already happened in Rebels that I don't think you can ignore. So, and they've. They've already got some some Easter eggs in this episode that we'll maybe we'll talk about later that oh, yeah. tie directly into Rebels. So, yeah, I like one of the things um, I liked a lot in here was especially like I guess we can get, get to that too. Is like when he, when he went to the gallery, there was it seemed like that was like chock full of uh, seemingly a lot of like little. Easter eggs dropped here and there, like in like Easter eggs in the fullest like sense of the the word, because they're not like, straight up and in your face. You had to like kind of like pause and like kind of look in the back a little bit. Oh yeah, like, go frame by frame. Yeah, I I loved. Um, did you see Indiana Jones's whip? No, I, I did not. I did not see that. It's in carbonite. When <laughs> when he nice. takes her around the back, um, there's sort of a row of smaller more like square shaped carbonite um units i guess you would call them and the one that's facing front or forward to the camera is looks like indiana jones whip in carbonite um so so i thought that was funny um but yeah there's a ton of stuff in there there's like some stone tablets with hand symbols on them and those are directly from like the mural uh of the mortis characters from rebels oh yeah Uh, there's like holocrons and Mandalorian armor, and there's some like Wookie. There's like a Wookie helmet from, I think you see a Wookie wear a helmet like that in, during the Battle of Kashyyyk. Yeah, there's um, like a big armor in the back that looked like it had like the spikes on it. So I almost that, thought that was Vader at first. So apparently that is Star Killer's Sith Stalker armor from Force Unleashed, um, yeah. the video game. If you ever played that. Um, there's a there's like a Gungan shield back there. They they really kind of crammed it full of stuff. Now, 
I mean, since that's in there, um, people are gonna be like, "Wait, so is, is Stark is Star Killer canon now?" But I think the t- timeline for that won't work out either, too, because of like. No, yeah, I think all they're acknowledging is that this Sith Stalker armor is a thing that you know maybe yeah, right. assassins or disciples had at some point. But yeah, I, I don't I think, think um, we're going to canonize Vader's secret apprentice at this point. <laughs> and I, I think that that was like that dark side ending of the the game too. So it wasn't, so yeah, wasn't the canon ending. Although right. I still, I still wish they could somehow canonize that again because i really liked that like that the like his family crest was like the basis for the, like the rebel alliance logo oh and yeah it, it kind of it gave it like a little bit more of like a backstory and like i, I guess more of like meaning to that that symbol being used for it yeah so i i can with like how feloni's like worked other stuff back into the canon like with Thrawn and stuff like that i, I trust him to work some of that stuff in there in some way i mean they they kind of already did that sort of with rebels with where it's like uh sabine's like phoenix uh, logo right he's doing kind of more or less evolved into the the rebel logo yeah but and like you said with it kind of like buttressing up against rebels storyline stuff now that they've cast uh, like live action versions of all those characters, well, for at least for exactly most characters that we know of, it w- could be interesting to see, like maybe you know, or something like that. I mean, they Tony Gilroy literally said that the end of season two is going to butt up, like it's going to walk you right into Rogue One, and mm-hmm. I mean, the ghost is in Rogue One, and we hear General Sindula's name over the loudspeaker in the Rebel base, so like. To me, yeah, there is a good chance that uh, that we could see, you know, some characters from Rebels show up. Um, yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and the the other interesting, uh, uh, I don't know if I would call it an Easter egg per se, but the uh, the scene with Mom Mothma and her husband. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a strange scene. It was cool, but strange. Um, the the dinner party, you know, we know they, they mentioned Sly Moore, who is Palpatine's like weird, creepy uh, <laughs> assistant. But they also mentioned um, the Gore, like the Gormans, um, which are, I guess, a, a, a species or, you know, on a, on a planet. And that comes up in Rebels as the Gorman massacre, which I think happens like two years before star Wars. And basically that's the inciting incident that makes Mon Mothma denounce Palpatine publicly and basically makes her an enemy of the empire. So like knowing that, and they mention, they have her mention the Gorman, like they're going to starve because there's right. a blockade or whatever. It's like, they're already putting sowing those seeds that I assume we're going to see the Gorman massacre in season two as this big, you know, inciting uh, incident. And um, that's brief. I think that's briefly mentioned in rebels as well. So yeah. Um, now is her husband and Galen Erso of the same planet? Cause they had like the same dress and hairstyle. <laughs> Top knot. Yeah. He looked like fancy Will Forte to me, but yeah. Um, um, I, just, I just kept seeing Galen Urso every time I was like looking at him. I uh, I appreciate how much of a jerk he is, and it's going to be very satisfying to see uh, Mon Mothma <laughs> kick him to the curb at some point. So that's and going back to the artifacts, what he hands Mon Mothma to give her husband was that of any significance anywhere else? Like they focus on it, so I felt like we're supposed to know what it is. Um, I had never heard of it before in terms of like the lore he was talking about, but I did think it was interesting that he was talking about this, this thing can, that can be interpreted light and dark. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like he was talking about the force in that moment, right. or, you know, 
it, it was also reminding me of that mural that you see in the last Jedi where like the person is bisected and it's like light and dark exists in the same being. Mm-hmm. So I just thought like maybe thematically it's, it serves right. a purpose more so than an actual. I'm right. just curious. Yeah. That, that also kind of works with Luthen in this episode too. With yeah, the, totally. Like, yeah. Like how he's, he's like, Oh, he's like this. He's also like this too. And like, he's, yeah. <laughs> He's very good at acting very different around different people because he's like acting mm. one way in front of Cassian and then uh, Clem. Was... You mean Clem? Oh yeah, <laughs> Clem. Um, what was what was the name of the the woman that was on? on Isn't it Val or Vel? Vel, yeah. Vel. Like yeah, and he was like acting one way and like talking about Cassian, aka Clem, on on one way to her, and then like this whole other. <laughs> Well, although what I thought was funny at one point is like when he went in the back and was talking to Mon Mothma, it seems like his assistant at that shop is like also in on all that stuff too. Yeah. So when it was like just the the three of them in there at that one point, I was like, so why is there all this pretense right now when it's <laughs> the three of them are seemingly not? And it seemed like that other dude was like, oh, like cool, but I guess maybe he's like not in on all of that stuff too they they were very um they were very cautious because he was like a new driver yeah and they didn't know a lot about him and it seemed that you know i think mothma said at one point that she felt like she was under siege because there's a new Mm -hmm. spy in the senate every week so um i i liked that scene in that uh luthan's assistant sort of distracts him and starts showing him coins and stuff so they can go talk so i I got the impression that you know yeah he may be a spy and if not you know they're super paranoid and uh they've got to keep up appearances so yeah speaking speaking of that too like we got the uh i got the ryloth mentioned in, in this episode too for the the twilight planet um, or Twi'lek. Uh, Star Wars has two pronunciations for a lot of things. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we also got the the Scarif mentioned too, which I thought yeah. was interesting. Because then it all sounded like they said there was like a bunch of supplies being brought there. So it was like construction equipment. Yeah, yeah like they were like supplying mobilization or something to Scarif. Um, yeah. Then also later. Uh, that this Lieutenant Gorn character who is helping, you know, the, the like rebel heist situation on Aldani, he mentioned something about an Imperial engineer coming. And that mm. made me wonder if that could be Krennic, not necessarily that I expect to see Krennic on the show or anything, right. but just referencing it, you know, just putting it out there. Um, yeah. Well, Ben Mendelsohn's already doing like secret invasion with Disney plus could come in and shoot a, a quick thing for yeah uh, or for him um uh and then there's one other thing like so i'm also on did they ever say like if like jimmy smith was going to be in this too because uh, he was in obi-wan but uh i don't think um they've officially said that but i i think it's pretty well known that he's gonna yeah. show up at i mean some if anything point. i feel like he he would definitely be in season two yeah, absolutely. He's got to show up. He'll send one of those video messages that conveniently gets played and leaves a bunch yeah. of information. And he gives all the info away. Like, what are you doing? Um, and that was another question, you know, just sort of mentioning Bale. Like, when she goes to see Luthen and she mentions that, you know, she thinks she's met someone that she thinks they can bring into the circle. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I wonder who that is, because you would think Bale's already in that circle. That would be me making that assumption, because he's friends with Jedi and whatnot. Um, yeah, because this is five years after the Obi-Wan series. Correct. And yeah. they mentioned Saw, and so you already sort of get the idea that Saw is this rebel, you know, or he's definitely anti-Empire. He's mm. doing, doing something. So I'm wondering who that could be, and I think we may have already seen them. I think it might be the like silver-haired guy from the trailer that Mothma is talking to at the dinner party. Okay. Where he's like, "What do you intend to do?" or whatever. It seems like mm-hmm. she's sort of telling him in that moment um, what's going on. So I guess we'll find out uh, at the crazy dinner party with Sly Moore. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it goes the same way the dinner party went on the office. 
<laughs> well, speaking of the office, it is kind of interesting to see the office dynamic w- within the empire, how they consider themselves healthcare providers, and they're treating all the other people who don't comply as like viruses. That was wild. Is it, is, yeah, that and then a, the very- accusations you're trying to climb the ladder instead of just like. Yeah, just to see like the infighting between um, like mm-hmm. Nero and Blevin, and then both of them taking their case to uh, to sort of the the head guy, um, oh, yeah. Sergeant Perez, something Sergeant like Sergeant Maester from Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, that's that's really fascinating and. Um, and then you have Cyril Karn who oh, yeah. <laughs> gets taken down a peg or two, uh, not only by Blevin, but by his mom who yeah. shot him in the face. So Get some Norman Bates bias from, from Cyril. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, it's curious. Well, I I did have kind of like a, a thought with that too, is that um, that I can almost see him being disenchanted. Uh, by the the empire slowly from this like because of like like how like deep and like much like how like he was like really gung-ho about all that stuff and then like Mm -hmm. all this happened in those first three episodes i could almost see him kind of being similar to uh like callus that we met in rebels and him kind of being like a character that's kind of on the side of the empire but then like slowly comes over maybe to become part of like the rebel alliance uh, that could be like a pretty cool twist or like a character development for him where we think like we're like oh man we hate this guy like in this first episode <laughs> yeah huge like tool and everything and then by like the end of uh, either this season or like the end of season two we're like oh then he like dies before rogue one happened and we're like oh right man, that was one of my favorite character <laughs> i could I say that I, I could totally see them going that route. I kind of hope that all of this like makes him double down and get. Like, That's what I was just going to say. Worse, you know, <laughs> like um, yeah, it could go he's going to learn to be truly ruthless. Um, yeah, like he's just going to hunt Cassian down to prove he was right and bet better than what he gets when he gets dressed down and basically fired. It's going to motivate him to do more crazy stuff. And, you know, obviously we know that like Mon Mothma can't die and that Cassian can't die. And, you know, someone mm-hmm. like Bail Organa or Saw can't die. But Luthen is wide open. And I feel like by the time this series is over, he's probably going to be the big sacrificial death. And especially because everyone's grabbing onto him as like this great new character. I can totally see Cyril like being the guy that does it and really becoming the most hated man on the internet for a week. <laughs> so part of me th- feels like Luthen could go the other way where he's playing both sides and then he chooses the empire for some reason. Mm. I was like, I got that vibe for some reason in this episode. Like he's playing so many different angles that you don't know where he's truly coming from. But yeah, could be interesting. Just because we have like the like we'll have this whole story with Saw, like how he, be, he he gets like more and more like out there and essentially becomes like more and more extreme. And but the the yeah. one thing as like what we were talking about Cyril that I thought was funny was that like when he did go to the door and his mom slapped him and that that lady stopped the neighbor and his mom was like, "What are you looking at?" I was like, "He just slapped him in front of the." <laughs> I just wanted to watch the drama. Uh, I want to see what happened, to, what happened next. That's what she's looking at. It was interesting that he never spoke a line in this episode either. He felt like he would have been saying something at some point based on how he was in the first one. If he said something, I missed it. Then, yeah, I don't, I don't remember anything offhand for him either. Too for Cyrell, yeah. yeah. He he said mother at the door, but other oh, he than did. that, yeah. I th- yeah, I feel like he tried to talk during when Blevin was sort of dressing him down, but I didn't mm. really get too much out. Yeah, I like that. That was a for me. That was a funny scene because the guy in the middle is like, "I didn't even do anything." Yeah, that guy, that guy's great. 
And then the hand raise. Like, are you kidding oh, me? <laughs> the guy that like doesn't want to make any waves and like mm. he's just doing the bare minimum. Like I, I really relate to that. <laughs> I also liked the AK forty sevens in space. Yes, yes, a uh, little dressed up. Yeah. Uh, classic weaponry. Um, the the eye of Aldani thing was really interesting this like celestial event that happens every three years oh yeah um they they say it's sort of like 50 meteor showers at once and i think we've already seen that too right in the trailers the scenes of of andor piloting the like freighter oh yeah like through that while there's like debris flying all around him i think that's sort of that the end of the heist of him trying Mm -hmm. to get out of there so yeah that would make sense yeah, because yeah, that, that kind of seems like a Chekhov's gun kind of thing. Like, you don't, like, mention that and then not, like, well, yeah. show that. Yeah. Uh, There's no way they're not showing that. They have. With that, in some fashion. that they showed for the, the plan on that, too, that, that seemed, like, very similar to, like, the same kind of rail, like, train system that that whole heist that they do in Solo. From Solo. Yeah, definitely. So I was like, if they do a heist on a train in this, then it's almost mm-hmm. like the same thing that'd be kind of funny in a way they just did. yeah we got a train we got a train heist shootout in mandalorian we got one in book of boba fett um get one in andor we're we're doing well there wasn't a train well there was a transport in obi-wan but no one attacked it but yeah what is with the empire building all their bases and keeping stuff underwater like, why? Uh, why dam a river just to build a base under it? It's just cause it's going to cause you problems. That's like, true. Yeah, because they had one at Obi Wan that flooded. This one's going to flood. I have a feeling. <laughs> like, yeah, that dam's going to get get blown up. I assume. Sylvia agreed with that, by the way. <laughs> um, she just wants water. No, she she finished her 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 like uh, treat that she's been eating the entire time that was keeping her distracted. <laughs> now she's no longer distracted. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to uh, kind of speak on that that we haven't said yet about this episode? Uh, I, I'll just echo Adam with the realism that they're putting into it, like seeing Coruscant with real buildings. That's yeah. like less. Yes, they're CGI, but it feels like there's more physical things that they're reacting with and using. And just the way they're putting it out there is just very real and it has a very, like, just, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but the it's refreshing to see unpolished tactile. everything. Yeah, tactile is a good word. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That, yeah, I don't think, did they, use, did they use the volume for this at all? Like in no. No, they uh, they shot it all in um, the UK, um, and that's that's an interesting thing because I think initially it was just merely scheduling. You know, they 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 only had one volume, and they were shooting Mandalorian there, and so Andor was going to shoot other you know other places, and um, then uh, but but going forward with season two. You know, will they stick to that? Will they shoot everything on location again? Or since now there's multiple stagecraft locations, I think they were trying to set one up in London. Um, will they utilize some of that as well? Um, and how will that affect the show? You know, I think the the most interesting thing about the show for me personally isn't even the story thus far it's sort of the ramifications that this series could have on star wars overall yeah because we're coming out of sort of the first quote-unquote generation of disney's lucasfilm movies you know the the sequel trilogy is done we got some standalones they got they got Hmm. disney plus off the ground and mandalorian stuff is great um but i think there's been some criticism about maybe the over-reliance of the volume and how maybe while that technology is amazing, it may also be limiting in a certain way. I've, I, I felt it with Obi-Wan more than, more than Boba or Mando, but just feeling that like 
almost claustrophobia of like very small locations kind of, you mm-hmm. know, um, whereas Andor is wide open because you've all, you have all these great vistas yeah. and stuff. And so I just wonder going forward, you know, will the Mandoverse shows maybe adopt more of Andor's approach or, or will Andor start to blend the two together more in its second season? Because, you know, again, it's Obi-Wan was six episodes, right? And yeah. This is this is going to be twenty four episodes by the time it's done. It's going to be sixteen hours devoted to a tertiary character from <laughs> one, you know. Um, and that that's nothing against Andor at all. It's just you know he wasn't even the main character of Rogue One, and then he right. he, already, he already died in Rogue One, and so but we're using him as a way we're using him as sort of this vessel to explore this this uh, timeline of the rebellion coming together. And so, you know, 16 hours devoted to a new character that way really makes me wish that we could have got 12 episodes of Mando each season or, you know, 12 episodes episodes of book of Boba Fett kind of thing. So I, I'm excited to see what, um, you know, how the shows react uh, to this and how, you know, audiences react. Are they, um, are people really digging it? Are they able to invest in um, a character that isn't, you know, iconic <laughs> in the way that mm-hmm. Obi-Wan or Boba Fett, you know, and even Mandalorian, yes, a new character, but Grogu uh, instantly won <laughs> everyone over, you know, because it's something familiar. Um and Andor, you know, like outside of people that are diehard fans of, you know, uh, like Mon Mothma and stuff, <laughs> you know, it's it's sort of new ground um, for for Star Wars to cover this like truly everyday characters completely disconnected from the Force or like mm-hmm. mysticism or like the more um, mythological aspects of star wars yeah that, that reminds me too with uh the kyber crystal that luthan can't like hand it over to um to andor Clem. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like almost like a uh like what's the what's the word like as a I don't know, like insurance kind of thing so like you're like so you know, like he knows that like he's serious about like what's going on and whatnot Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought this was interesting because, like, we already had like Jin had the had uh, her dad's uh, Kyra crystal and that. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, uh, just like seeing like non force users, like within this world, like using like Kyra crystals, kind of like in a kind of sort of like uh, spiritual way of just as like, um, but not you know putting them into like a, a yeah, it's, to like be used it's very a, like new agey mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, well didn't they use uh, the crystals in the death star to make the yeah, weapon yeah, yeah. so, so, so and, that's like and, kind of again that like you know split dichotomy of like, and the crystal that luthan gives uh and or um i think he mentions it's like from the like rat rat, rat rattan <laughs> the furniture um like the Rattan Empire or something like that, which I think was like a Knights of the Old Republic reference. So like that's going thousands and thousands of years back. So, and I'm assuming that'll become more important in the the series too, because like since they focus so much on that in this episode too. Yeah, I guess he'll have to barter with it or something at some point. Yeah, definitely should be interesting. I'm excited to see uh, like what they'll do next week, and if it is going to be like this three act structure, I'm assuming. Um, like next week will be like the Empire or Two Towers of it all, like where it's the, yeah. that middle part of the story. Uh, but I'm I'm excited for uh, what's to come. I'm I'm really enjoying this so far, and I, I did like this episode two where we got a little deeper into uh, what's all going on, and I like that we got to see Mon Mothma again. And and like you said with Genevieve O'Reilly, I'm glad that she's finally like getting to do more of this part where like she was hired. Like mm-hmm. back in two thousand four, two thousand three, 
yeah. Mon Mothma in Revenge of the Sith. And all those scenes got deleted out of the movie. <laughs> and then she got to come back for uh, Rogue One. And then now she's finally getting to expand more and do more with the part. So I think that's cool that, like, this, at least for her as an actor, all this, like, story is kind of coming full circle, getting to portray Mon Mothma on screen and, like, fleshing out this character more that we really only saw a little bit like in like return of the jedi because i don't even think we even saw her she wasn't in a new hope right no so i wonder if you explain like why she's not there in that too if like she's well yeah it's funny because you know they have her they have her in rogue one obviously right right up until the moment that star wars begins and then i guess she has to flee and and go somewhere but um Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always cool when you can add new context to a character. And so after we go through this like 24 episode journey with Mon Mothma, like watching Return of the Jedi will be a slightly different experience because you'll, you know, you'll have that knowledge of everything that she's sort of sacrificed or that she's gone through to get to where she is there. Yeah. And that's one thing these series have been doing is just deepening my appreciation for the lore and star wars in general just how vast it is and how intertwined everything is and and then when you go back and watch something else you're like oh i saw this in obi-wan he mentions this this is even better now yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and with like her it just shows how good like the casting is too with like how much at least visually like she looks just like uh, yeah in return of the jedi when it's not even the same person uh but i think that's gonna wrap us up for this uh coverage of the fourth episode of andor uh don't forget guys you can leave us a review on the podcast catcher of your choice if it allows you to do so like uh, at the podcasts or spotify any of those places or if you're watching this on youtube you can like the video comment you know subscribe do all mm-hmm. do all that stuff you hear in all the videos and stuff um and then you can follow us on all the social media places i'll uh you can find all the links for that i don't i'm not going to spot them all off this week because i realize mm-hmm. it just takes a long time but yeah all of those links are either underneath this video or in the show notes for the podcast so you can click those there and they'll bring you to the right spots same thing with uh our individual accounts on instagram and twitter you could find that info in the uh, info below or in the show notes again for the podcast. Uh, and then where can they find you, Adam? Uh, I am at Adam Frazier on Twitter, and you can find me every Friday at Slash Film where I write the Star Wars Bits column. So I'll have a new uh, new one out tomorrow. And if you like Star Wars, which I'm assuming you do if you're watching or listening to this, definitely check that out. It's a great resource for all of the Star Wars uh, news from each week. So definitely check that out. And then if you guys want to email us, you can email us at holdapod at gmail.com. But uh, before we say our closing lines, thank you again for coming on, Adam. Yes, thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. You're you're always welcome again in the future as well. Uh, So with that, as always, we are grateful to George Lucas for creating the Star Wars universe. Oh dear, thank the maker. <laughs>